Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, RDH, your hostess of The Dental Handoff. Today, I have with me the wonderful Erica Flato and RDH. I met Erica at RDH Under One Roof, and I was wowed by her, just the energy that she exudes and her background and had a chance to connect with her, Erica. Um, you're just, you're a light in the profession, and I'm just so grateful to have gotten to know you recently and want to know more about why dental hygiene? We always just like jump right into it. Why dental hygiene and why did you choose the career that you did? Well, um, so I was in high school and I decided I wanted to be a teacher. So I went to community college, um, honestly, practically, just uh, financially, uh, couldn't go off to university and was at the community college level, getting the basic English 101 and all that uh, taken care of and realizing very quickly that going off to university wasn't in the cards for me financially. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because I needed a job. And I saw these gals walking around in their scrubs and I was like, well, what are they doing? And someone said, oh, those are the dental hygiene students. And I was like, are they getting jobs? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. And at the time it was a practical, um, just I, I knew that I needed this to um, move on with my life. And, and um, I was out on my own and, um, I realized that dental hygiene found me because I was meant to be a hygienist and wanting to be a teacher. Guess what? I'm a teacher every day. Uh, and so I am in education. Um, and I ended up being clinically really gifted at dental hygiene and then developing the relational part that I ended up finding out that I had something special um, when I connect with patients. So now 20 years later, I realized that it was all meant to be. And I am so grateful for my community college education. Um, and it was it was a long road, uh, even though um, it took seven years. I mean, it was two years of prerequisites, another year of prerequisites, retaking them to get my 3.5 to a 4.0. And uh, because those math and science grades with, with only accepting 20 students a year, they had to be um, you know, 3.9 or above. And, uh, and then finally taking a year off to intern as a dental assistant, um, that gave me extra points to get in, finally got in. And then two years in the program, 
took the boards, uh, state and national boards. And then seven years after that, I'm a, I was an RDH. So um, it was a long road and it was, um, it was a really uh, life changing. And it, I grew up a lot during that time. And since then, I've always been able to uh, take care of my family and uh, take care of my patients. It's been so far um, a very rewarding career. Wow, what a great story. So you've been in clinical practice this entire time. I have been full time, except for the uh, six weeks I took off to have each one of my girls. Uh, So other than that, in the two months, we were all closed down for COVID. Other than that, full time Mm -hmm. for 20 years. And, uh, And so I figured out last weekend, just for fun, I think I've done an estimated 25,000 um, hygiene appointments. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know that many of us have estimated how many, how many lives we've touched through what we've done. That's, mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, if you do it full time for, for so long, and it sounds like you've got some special gifting and just talking to you, I know that you do, um, I don't, Erica's going to tell us all about it, but mm-hmm. Erica has this way of connecting with patients in a, in a way that is, it helps to understand what they value, connects with them differently, more so than we probably learned from hygiene school from a motivational interviewing standpoint. Erica, tell us a little bit about the technique that you use. Well, um, uh, something that I've, I've learned over the last uh, 20 years was that I, I, my my approach with patients really changed when I started really truly believing in what I do as a hygienist, and that may sound silly because of course you know we believe in what we do. We we graduated, we took our boards, we take care of patients every day. We're excellent at our scaling and root planning. We can take an FMX like nobody's business. We can co-diagnose restorative treatment. We believe in what we do, and I think it it took a while for me because a lot of times we're having to inform patients about disease about things they're not exactly all that excited to hear. Um, and and getting really real with myself and getting over feeling like I was delivering bad news or I was um, feeling bad about any of it, uh, it truly took some time because I was very um, you know timid in some ways of informing my patient and educating them. And so my my method it authentically changed when I started understanding that we change lives and and for the better and that the things that I'm doing are um, getting that patient one step closer to oral health, if not general health. And without me recognizing it and informing them, then there's not going to be any improvement in that department of their lives. And so when I started believing in what I do as a hygienist, the words just started to flow out of me and my connection with the patients started to involve them more. Um, So when I, it sounds a little corny, but I'll say to them, you know, I'm going to do my absolute best job that I can do on you with all the skills that I know, but I truly cannot do this without you. And, um, you know, their home care and them coming in and them being part of it, um, it, it really changed my delivery. Um, bringing them in as part of the success of what we're doing together, they start to change. They start to ask more questions. They start to say, boy, I, I'm here for my three month with Erica. Um, they start to understand the disease process. They start to say, hey, I brought in my electric toothbrush because I wanted to see if I'm using it the right way. 
and getting away from, um, from talking to patients all the time about what they're not doing and looking in the rearview mirror as opposed to looking out the windshield and what we can do together to take them to that next step. Um, it, it, was, it was a big change for me and it was a big change for my patients because they stopped feeling um, they, I, I could see the shift in them. There's no more talking about being shameful or regretful about what I haven't done when I come in to see Erica. It's about our continued encouragement and success together um, because we're both human. And sometimes I even talk to them about the ways that my home care has suffered in the past and I've had to make some changes. And when they're like, Whoa, a, a hygienist, like a hygienist doesn't, didn't, <laughs> I went through a time of life when she didn't feel like brushing her teeth. Right. Yes, it happens to all of us. And, uh, and, and really uh, connecting with them that way has changed my approach and my method. Um, I could go on and on. It, it, it then transcends into you working with your doctor and in, in, in co-diagnosing restorative treatment and being their person that they really rely on and that they trust and that they know is my heart's in it. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just such a um, tender heart and so, so sentimental, but I really do um, care for my patients and they feel it. And that's where that connection comes in. Yes, you've said a lot there too. You started off by saying you realized what it meant to you, what being hygienist meant to you. How did you discover that? Of course, you can say, okay, I I realized the impact I'm making. Was there something that happened? Was there an article you read? Personal reflection, development? I think that it is, it was definitely personal reflection because right out of school, we're, um, I mean, I've done personal development as well, but right out of school, we're taught um, to really uh, talk to the patient all the time about what they're not doing. And we, we, we kind of talk down to them a little bit. We, we, um, we have them take a toothbrush and show us how they're brushing. And the whole time they're just, they're knowing they're doing it wrong. And we're standing there, you know, judging them and, and understanding that um, a lot of the, the things I had a wonderful education, but you come out feeling like you're so used to, to perfection and, and feeling failure if, and you're being judged by a lot of people and those standards have to be there so that we are good clinically and we have our skills. But I think that our approach has to, has to change as, and when the patients aren't feeling as though they're failing, they come in. I mean, how many times have you had someone come in and say, Oh, you're really going to be mad at me. And it's like, Oh my gosh, no, I am not going to be mad at you. Not in a million years. And so, um, I, but I didn't understand that I, I wasn't supposed to be doing that to motivate someone. I'm not going to motivate someone They're especially if they're motivated um, by being shamed or regretful, they're going to go home and maybe do what you're asking them to do for a short period of time, if at all, but usually not at all because they feel like I failed. So why even try? So I think that um, learning a lot, yeah, I suppose personally about myself um, that we all have to keep moving forward and we all we can't look in the past and accept accept to learn from it, but not to ever stay there, sit there and feel, um, uh, you know, shame and regret. 
And so that's where I started thinking, well, my patients are going to feel this way about their oral, oral health and their oral hygiene. Um, and so how can I reach them in a, in a way that's going to be more effective? And the method works. And when you believe in what you're doing, you believe that in, we believe in perio, for instance, there's so much um, untapped and undiagnosed and under um, uh, classified disease going on in our practices. Yeah. And I'm going off Kelly here, but this is, this is the the part that I, ha- I mean, we're doing six month profies, six month profies. It's what the people expect. And there's some people that fit into that category, but there's so many that either you're a new person and you have to have a tough conversation or you're a hygienist that's been seeing them for a long time and looking at them with some fresh eyes and saying, you know, there is more that I could be doing for this patient, but I don't want to have that tough conversation or they're going to say, you know, did something change? What, what, why this now? And it, and it, it's a really good, a good way to segue into it is perio charting and images, both for perio. So it doesn't matter which appointment you're at, you can, you can have the conversation based on those um, tools that we use. And I can get more into that if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, too, because I know burnout is such a big deal. I mean, it has been, and it is. I think it, I think we it was happening even before COVID, and we just weren't talking about it in the same. We weren't saying the same things. We weren't using the same language to describe it. So, mm-hmm. with what you're talking about, it, it brought you out of that place to really feel like you were being rewarded by your profession again. So, what advice would you say? Listen, if you're in this place, if you are talking to people right now, and you say, if you're in this place. Here's my advice on what you could do. That refresh and vigor to come back, that spark. Um, so yes, ultimately changing lives and seeing the results in your patients and and their compliance, that that will give you that, that lift, of course. But um, also, we got to give ourselves a break. We're a lot of us are type A personalities. We're perfectionists. Um, I have learned over the years the person comes in, it doesn't matter what they present with. You're supposed to, and that's that's me from school too. Everything is supposed to be perfect. So by the end of that hour, it can be checked by two separate people and there better not be anything left. Um, especially dealing with perio. Someone comes in, okay, you didn't put the calculus on their teeth. You didn't, you're not the one that didn't come in for six years, but we own so much of our patients, be, um, their their stuff because we care about them so much and it and it's the type of people we are in this profession so what do you do okay well then if they're in your chair and you're assessing and you're spending this time educating and you're you're supposed to complete x y and z and it's it's you're reactivating this patient or there's someone that just hasn't really been managed even if they are on time for recare um give yourself a break give yourself a break and know that um you're going to have them back um, trying to be a hero and wave your magic wand and get everything done in that hour. You're, you're not prepared. You're mentally not there. You don't have a plan. And when I started saying, okay, this person's in my schedule for a profi today, they're not, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this profi, have the doctor in, do these things. And then I'm going to have them back. And when I have them back for scaling and root planning, um, this is all part of this appointment that's been explained and they're, they're ready to go. I'm prepared and I don't have that, that weight of, oh boy, should I start a quadrant today? Should I, should I do, no, take the time to educate them. Their compliance is going to go way up if you do that. And when I started giving myself a break and knowing what I am capable of in that hour, 
and really being confident in my skills and my knowledge in that department and having a doctor that supports me doing that. Um, I think the weight came off. The spark started coming back because I felt like, wow, I'm really the expert in this. I'm the professional. This The doctor is supporting me. The patient is trusting me. And and really getting through your day that way. And then when they come back and they're properly scheduled, I think the burnout goes down because you're, you're really, you're in, you're running the department, you're in the the driver's seat and you're taking, um, you're giving yourself a break that allowed me to have the time to connect with them more, to educate them more and to get that connection with them. And I feel like, the burnout goes down because you don't feel like you have a chain around your ankle attached to the hygiene chair and you are running behind the entire day and you're feeling exhausted and you're feeling overwhelmed. And I think a lot of that, when you start to take control of the situation and you, and you're thoughtful about your planning with the patients and they trust you because you believe in it. And that's what I'd like to highlight. It comes through in the way that you're speaking to them. Yeah. And so what I hear you saying too, is if it's been a person who's not been appointed to you for a while, or perhaps the condition of their mouth has changed because of some type of oral systemic link. What I hear you saying is if you're recognizing that it's not a healthy situation, mm-hmm. that you don't put your pressure, or you don't put the pressure on yourself to complete that profi, then you're saying, okay, Let's take the top this take this opportunity to talk about what we found on the assessments. Mm-hmm. Let's bring you back for what's indicated, just like they would for a medical procedure. You know, we we are not going out to do to do this today because we haven't allocated the time. We found this. This is what you have. And it requires a different procedure. Is that what I hear you saying? Yes, definitely so. And you're really um you're better prepared, which makes you a better practitioner if you're having them back. And also they understand, oh. That it really, it really plays into them understanding this is serious because she's having me come back and we're going to spend some special time together. And she's obviously concerned and, um, and oh, she has to use local anesthesia. Oh, I need to get, you know, I need, we need to go back through this again. It really sets it apart as something, um, that's, that has changed or something that's special that, that is needed again. Um, and then also the, the part that you were asking me about um, having that, the burnout reduced. Yes, you can still get burnt out with easy 45 minute profies if the, that was your magical world that you lived in because of the repetition. So starting to connect with your patients and being um, more of an educator and, and more inspirational to them on that level, that starts to uplift you as well, because you can tell that you're changing their lives, their lives. You can tell that they're starting to come in. They're not just closing their eyes, crossing their feet, crossing their arms. Okay. Clean my teeth. They're really, really involved in understanding that you can't be successful without them involved. And they'll say to you, I've never had anybody spend this time with me. I've never had anybody tell me this. I had no idea that this was going on. I had no idea that this was affecting my general health and vice versa. Thank you for, for taking this time with me. And when, when they talk to you like that, it's a whole different day in the hygiene chair. (laughs) I agree. I agree. And then so too, there's a piece of this. It's not only, well, obviously it's always about team as you speak to, it's about that patient um, care provider connection. And it's also having doctor come in to validate 
the findings and to be in a practice where they are, they appreciate that approach. Absolutely. And um, having a supportive, um, well, your, your team's supportive, of course, your assistants and your front desk, because when you're bringing this patient up to um, you know, your schedule coordinator, they got to have your back too. Oh, yes. Okay. You know, Erica, um, if she recommends this, um, let's, let's make this work with the schedule and financially for you. Um, because, it, you know, they, it has to be that you're supporting them with your handoff and they're supporting you with just reiterating how important it is to come back. Your doctor being supportive of you and understanding that not only are you clinically skilled to do this and have and to take care of them this way, of course, referring if they need to be referred, but if it's something that you can handle in your scope, in your practice, um, that they, for them to come in and just confirm what you've already found. And, oh, I totally trust Erica. She knows what, what she's doing. She's going to take great care of you. And I, I completely agree. And so we'll see you back soon. That any doctor, um, they're, they're just doing themselves as for a, a business-wise, such a favor to, to let the hygienist really have that autonomy and that, um, let them handle what they're an expert in, and that's our department. And for them to come in and be supportive of it, it um, it makes a, a you know a huge difference. Not only in in the, I mean, it, it builds my confidence to have that um, type of support, but it also gives me um, the freedom when I'm talking to patients to not feel like, oh, should I say this or not? It's like, no, I am. I I know what I'm doing. I am the I'm the expert in this, and I've done it a ton of times, and I am ready to take care of you. And I know how to, and if, and if we still need some more steps or we need a referral, then we'll, you know, I'll bring the doctor in for that. But it's, it's having the confidence to know no matter what I'm saying, he's, he or she is going to come in and support me. And that's, that's a lot of conversation and meetings as you start to work with each other, learning each other's philosophy and making sure that you're on the same page. It's a beautiful thing. And, you know, many, we talked about this the other day, many hygienists don't understand how an office is run and we, you know, cause we haven't really done that mm-hmm. and we don't learn about it. And doctors too don't necessarily know how to manage and don't know the business side of it. And mm-hmm. if everyone focuses on what their specialty truly is and is there to serve the patient and puts that at the core of it and then learns that team communication, everybody speaking the same language. Absolutely. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And you know, and then too, Erica, I was just thinking with the patient sitting there and they're hearing this, let's just say that they're an existing patient and it's been a little bit since they saw you yeah. or maybe they saw a different hygienist, but there was a lapse of time, but now their mouth is different. Mm-hmm. And they say, but I just, I just had my teeth cleaned two mm-hmm. years ago and you're telling me all this is different. How would you approach that? Well, um, each person, as you know, is you're never going to get the same patient twice. So everybody's going to be customized. So maybe they had a changing their life that they've shared with you, changing their health. Um, you can't really, if, if you haven't seen them before, you can't really speak to, you know, another hygienist uh, work or, or, or assessment of that patient, but it's what you're seeing today. And um, that's when I get the x-rays up or, and, and we look at the bone together. We look at the calculus on the roots together. We look at, they listen to the perio chart numbers. There's something that's happened that day. That's, 
not only me visibly looking at their um, at their tissue, but there's something that day that has changed and why I'm recommending this. So I I love to involve them and educate them on, I take the time to put that FMX up and show them what I'm seeing with the vertical defects in the bone, or there's there's some tartar on the on the roots. And this is I say tartar because I'm speaking to them right now. There's tartar on the roots and and you can see it down here and boy you know, only bone and tooth are supposed to show up on an x-ray. And if we're seeing tartar that's showing up on your x-ray, we know it's really calcified. Well, how did that get there? Blah, blah, blah. And so those are tough questions and you have to very professionally answer them. And you just say, you know, with time, this can build up and it can get to a point where, you know, then we need to um, use some local anesthetics so that we make sure that you're comfortable and we get under your gum line. And um, and if, if we know you're comfortable, we're not going to hold back and we're going to do a good job. And so sometimes it's just time for that again. And if you say it that way, um, they understand that it's part of maintenance. Um, if, you know, and so that sometimes you can say, and you've had a change in your health or you're on this medication now that, can be making it so that you have less saliva or there's been a change in their home care. I just, I don't go. I, I definitely introduce the home care and keep introducing it at every scaling or root plane appointment or every recare or maintenance appointment, but I don't go again into the, um, the blaming mode with my, well, you haven't been doing this. So it's more like, well, since there's, a little more plaque today, or there's a little more inflammation, this is what the result has been. We're going to blame the inflammation and we're going to blame the plaque. We're not going to blame the patient. So um, it's, it's very effective. And, and so there's a few factors there. So if, if you're, if, if now that when you were talking about you being the patient's been two years, were you saying that you'd never met me before, or is this someone that I've been seeing consistently? Let's just say that I'd seen you before. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I'm like, Erica, you know, why this now? I mean, I've been healthy before. Why all of a sudden is it like this? Cause we hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, well, if I've seen you before, um, yes. Uh, well, I did note that last time there was some moderate inflammation in it, in, you know, in the upper left or something. And I made a note to myself to check it today to assess and really evaluate uh, because last time you were a little bit overdue and today you're right on time. So let's see, you know, something like that or vice versa. Last time you were on time, today you're overdue. Whatever it is, if I've seen the patient before, I usually say that I noticed something and made a note of it. And if they were absolutely 100% healthy and not a speck of blood or inflammation, then I'm going to say, I've seen them before. I'm going to start talking to them about what's going on. Like what's going, you know, what's going on for you. Um, and they might share, it might be something personal. It might be something in their health. And then that's going to open up the conversation for further treatment and therapy. It's, it's such a unique position because you truly have to read what the patient is saying and what they're not saying mm -hmm. to try to read between the lines to figure out how to input what it is that you're recommending in the direction that you, that you go. So what would you recommend if you had some words of advice to hygienist on the technique that you're using, where would you tell them to start? Well, I would start with some coaching, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, uh, and I'd love to do that. But um, I think that I really, I, I would start with talking to them about their belief system and what they do as hygienists and um, what I would ask them questions like what what's stopping you from having some of these conversations with pa with patients and then depending on what their answer is it could be you know I don't have time or I feel bad or I'm nervous about it or um I don't care 
like I've just, I've given up, you know, there's, there's so many different reasons that a hygienist could say, could answer that question to me. Um, but I believe that we're in this because we really want to be successful and we want to change lives and we want to help people. But the burnout, the, the fear of, um, of having to have hard conversations, I would, um, try to really get down to believing in what we do with them and talk to them about now what happens when you have a success with a patient? How do you feel? Sometimes we have to talk about reading the patient. So everybody's going to, the mouse is going to be customized and the personality is going to be customized. So working on, um, you know, really learning about different people's personalities and being a hygienist for any length of time, you've already got a little bit of an education about that. And so don't, you, you know, the people that you can sit in your chair and just start talking to about perio or restorative right. treatment that they have it that's outstanding or something like that. And then, you know, the patients that they need to sit back for a minute, they need to decompress. And while you're working, you're going to maybe come across something that you probably already knew was there, but it's like, okay, so we need to talk about number 12, or we need to talk about um, the perio numbers from last time. And as I'm measuring, so reading your patient and understanding that they're not you, you're not projecting your values onto them and your reactions and your emotions and your behaviors and your personality onto them, but really trying to figure them out and meeting them where they're at. That for me has helped me um, have some of those hard conversations and test, you know, test the waters with them. And then you figure, you start figuring that out the more people that you see. Um, And so I want to highlight my belief in it. When I'm going to approach this patient, I'm going to remember that I'm, I'm here with a certain level of responsibility to recognize disease and inform them about it. And um, they're counting on me for that, whether they know it yet or not. Mm -hmm. When you do start to have those conversations, they become easier. The language just flows out of you because it, it does become more, it becomes effortless. I just say, oh, great, Erica. Now this is one more thing I need to spend 10 minutes on in my hygiene appointment. It's like, no, no, no. It doesn't have to be like that. It will, especially when you're, remember, you're taking the load off yourself, trying to fix everything in one hour. So there, now you have your time. You're still satisfying what the doctor needs you to do in that hour. You're still being productive, but you're taking the time and you're letting, you're, you're having that conversation with them. So I, I really, I think that it's, it's something that um, a person can start to find themselves getting, um, being able to celebrate with patients and finding themselves um, invigorated by the successes the more you do it. It's all practice. So um, it really the, is. Yeah. And the more you practice it, the more comfortable you get at it. Yeah. I, I love that. I love how you were talking about empowering the patient. You were talking about how through the words that you're saying, you're, you're, you're also assessing where that patient's at and you're meeting them where they are. Because I think no matter what it is in our lives, we authentically enjoy that. Not just a cookie cutter approach of this is for you and this is also for you, but here's this customized, personalized approach based on what you're telling me and based on what I'm seeing. And let's, let's care for you because you're trusting me with that. So this is this this has been amazing, Erica. I know that you have so much more to share. And how how do people how do people get in touch with you? Uh, well, uh, they can email me. It's Erica Flateau, just like it's spelled 
um, on the, it's going to show on the screen, right, Kelly? Yes. (laughs) Just like it's spelled at gmail.com. And I would love to have a discovery call with you if you'd like to reach out to me and uh, I can customize my um, ideas for possibly coaching um, your personally or a, or a team. Um, if you'd like to spend a half hour with me on the phone, we could do that. It'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your words of advice. And I love hearing what different, different people are doing and how they're raising the standard of care across the board with, you know, the level of communication. You know, it's the dental handoff. This is, this is leadership. This is true clinical leadership within your community, with your patients, with your office. And it's also demonstrating that to the entire profession. So thank you so much for being on with us. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Tanner. Oh, thank you. And everyone, we really appreciate you listening. And if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, subscribe to us on YouTube and then also like us on Apple. Give us a five-star rating. Appreciate all that everyone's doing and be well. Be well.